The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Please be seated in God's house as we pray together. Father in heaven, it is awesome what you have done that we might be free. Jesus, it is incredible that you took our place on a cross. Jesus, forgive us for the things that we have loved before you. Father, thank you for the promise that is in your word that you will freely and abundantly pardon. That's, that's not a feeling. That's not an emotional thing that makes us feel better. That is the authority of your word. And for these promises, we are thankful because without which we would have no hope. We pray with thanksgiving in our hearts this morning in the name of Jesus and all the church says, Amen. I want to welcome you to this ministry. I want to welcome those of you, many of the folks I've talked to last night and this morning that I know are joining us online, uh, people in the hospital, people that have to be at home. I love you, and I'm glad that you're able to connect with us through that little camera up there. I love you so much, and some of you I'll probably be seeing later today, so I love you, and I'm praying for you where, where you are this morning. Uh, today is a very special day. The reason this is a very special day is because this is the first time that we as a congregation, this is the first time from the time that this church was birthed as New Covenant Community Church, today is the very first day that it is bringing on additional ministers. Uh, from the mid-90s until now, this church has been a single pastor-led church, and that changes today. And I'm very excited about that. It's the first time for this congregation in that regard. Uh, for Eldon and KJ, who are going to be installing into these places of ministry, this is their first ministry role like this. And this is my first time of stepping into this place of leadership. And the church growth experts would say that it would be foolish to have a first-time lead pastor that's never done this before, with a congregation that's never seen a multi-staff like this before, with guys and it's their first ministry position like this, and... What I would say is that if, if God be for us, who can be against us? If Jesus is at the helm of his church and his spirit is leading us and our eyes are focused on his revealed character and nature as we know it to be expressed in the word of God, then we have nothing to worry about. And, uh, and man, praise God that Jesus is at the helm of his church, that Jesus today still leads the church. If you're thankful for that, say amen. If it was not so, we should be as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs in this world in which we find ourselves. But praise God that as a group of believers, that our shepherd is a man named Jesus. He's perfect and he's powerful. So because of these three groups that we have today, being the congregation, KJ and Eldon and myself, I'd like to preach three sermons. So hopefully we'll get to lunch about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon today, but... But I would like to preach in three parts. I'd like to preach to each one of these groups, to the congregation, to KJ and Eldon, and then briefly to myself as well. Uh, so I'm going to be in a multitude of texts. Normally we 
go through texts in a very kind of expository preaching kind of way, uh, which we will do in some respect, but will be in numerous, multiple places of the Bible. So if you want to write down references, that's fine. If you're handy with flipping through your Bible, you can be going to 1 Thessalonians 5.12. We'll be there among many other places, so know that we'll go quickly through them. And it's important before I preach to you, being the congregation, and I have these guys sit up here so that I can see them, but that I can also address the congregation as a whole. Uh, it's important to make a distinction, I believe, that we see in Scripture between ministers and elders. Elders being what you would think of, of as a pastor or a bishop or a shepherd or an overseer. Numerous terms for them in Scripture, all of which meaning the same scriptural role of an elder. Uh, this would be something that myself and other men in this church fulfill those roles, that biblical role. And I think it's important to recognize that. We see an example of this in Titus 1.5. For this reason, Paul says, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. This gives us a model of a shepherd, bishop, overseer, pastor, whatever word you want to use for it. It gives us a picture of someone who can be established in a place to lead the congregation. Uh, that's very clear in Scripture. I believe we also see uh, a, a precedence for ministers in ministry as well. Uh, we see an example of this by a person by the name of Onesiphorus. We read of this character recently from this pulpit in 2 Timothy 1, verses 16 through 18. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, Paul said, and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, Rome he sought sought me out very zealously and found me, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy upon the Lord, the, the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Onesiphorus was not necessarily an elder. He was not necessarily a pastor, but he was a minister. A minister that refreshed Paul, that helped Paul. And can I just tell you, with a church this size, I'm looking forward to the way that these guys are going to be able to help me and help me in this role. That is going to be awesome. Now, the reason I mention those things is because every church does it a little bit differently when it comes to uh, ordaining. You might have heard of like an ordination service or something like that. And that is when, as best I can tell scripturally, when people are outlined for this eldership role being appointed in such a way that they could lead the church as a pastor. And certainly, as guys, as we continue on with you, Eldon, and particularly with you, KJ, as we continue on with, with seeing what God has called you guys to do, that is something I definitely see coming for you guys, of, of, of ordaining you guys as pastors. But what we're doing today, simply for the sake of clarity and all of us seeing God's word clearly, is that, is that these are the Onesiphorus characters among us. These are ministers and the reason I make that distinction is because the things that I want to preach to you today, congregation, as best I can tell scripturally, applies both to ministers and to the elders, pastors, whatever name you use for that category. So I hope you have the Word of God in front of you, and I hope that these things sink into your heart because they very much set the precedence for how we move forward as a church now with a pastor and ministers in this kind of way. The first thing I want you to see is there in 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 12, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. We know of our Bibles that the Thessalonican church was a very healthy church. It was a very strong church. It was a very dynamic church. 
And what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying to this church is even though you're healthy, even though you're strong, even though you're dynamic, I want you to esteem highly those who labor in the gospel and admonish you and guide you in the Lord, all of these things. Esteem them highly in love. Esteem them highly for the sake of their work. We all love KJ and Eldon. I love these guys. I'd take a bullet for either of them, even if they weren't believers. But for the sake of their work, we are commanded as a congregation to esteem them highly in love for the sake of their work. This is what Paul was communicating to the Thessalonican church. This is what I believe we also ought to take in understanding how we operate as a New Covenant community church. So if you feel like taking notes, the first thing I'd like to say to you is to esteem them highly in love for the work they do. In the 1800s and 1900s, it was... In many of those, of those time frames, there were numerous occasions in which mostly it was the culture and such that a pastor or a minister could go to a church and having a role like that meant good pay, secure pay, and sometimes a housing allowance or whatever kind of house that the church bought for the pastor. It was, it was a pretty cushy deal for most not all of those time periods, but, but for many of those time frames in which I mentioned, it, was, it represented something like that. Uh, today is not that day. As I have made it a point, as I feel the Holy Spirit of God has led me to make sure that we see a biblical understanding of persecution, and we've preached very openly from this pulpit about that. We have a keen understanding of that as a congregation, as a church, and both of these guys are willfully stepping into something that they know could cause them to go to jail someday. They are willfully stepping into something that they know could cause the end of their even life someday, and yet they are still choosing to go into it. For these things, congregation, let us esteem these guys very highly in love for the sake of the work that they are stepping into. If you're with me, say amen. Another thing I'd love for you to see out of Romans 13, verse 17. Uh, Hebrews is also believed to be written through the pen of the person of Paul, inspired, of course, by the Holy Spirit, but used Paul to do it. Additional instruction that we have as a, as a congregation have, Hebrews 13, 17, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive to them, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable to you. Believing it to be Paul that was used to write this scripture, Paul's saying to these churches, these letters that were dispersed throughout all the early churches, they read these publicly in their gatherings. And what God is communicating here in his word is of those who are given to this work, be submissive to them, obey them, because they are operating under the understanding that they're going to have to give an account. Now, we all know many pastors that don't believe that. They don't believe that they're going to have to someday give an account. I believe that. I believe that in the absolute core of my being, that I will have to give an account for the work that I have done. So as ministers that are operating underneath that understanding that they will have to give an account someday, let them minister with joy and not grief because it would be unprofitable to us if we were to do otherwise is what Paul is communicating through the Word of God in that way. Now, our Americanized way of thinking does not really go hand-in-hand hand very well with thinking that we need to obey other people. We swallow that about as good as we do a rusty roll of barbed wire, okay? We, that, that doesn't fit well for us, but, but let me illustrate it this way, and hopefully you'll see it clearly. 
I want you to pretend for just a moment that you are on a military convoy that gets lost. And there is one member, or a couple members, let's say, in the convoy that are called and gifted of God to interpret the map that shows you the way through the lostness. And not only finding your way out of being lost, but how unscathed you are by the time you get there depends on these guys who are called of God to interpret these maps. And hopefully you know where I'm going with this. What would you do if you saw one of the other members in the convoy picking at these guys and wasting these guys' time and making their job difficult? And, and they, were, they were interpreting the maps with grief, let's say. You would look to your comrade and you would say, listen, we've got to stop. We need to make sure that they are comfortable. We need to make sure these guys, because it, it, it depends on us not being lost by what, how these guys interpret the map and, and how unscathed we are by the time we get there. It, it is in our best interest to make sure that these guys are cared for, that these guys are loved. Let's not give them tasks that they don't need to be doing. Let's give them the work that they're called to do to look at this map and to lead us out of this mess. And oh, by the way, they've got to give a report to the five-star general when we do get back. And hopefully you followed along in that illustration to understand that when humanity sinned against God, that was when we got lost. And in God's sovereignty, he appointed ministers, pastors, preachers, teachers, all of these things to be the people to stand up, not in a Catholic kind of way that you're not supposed to be reading the Bible. You ought to be reading the Bible. You ought to be making biblical interpretation. You ought to be studying yourself to show yourself approved. But people called to this kind of work. God has appointed for this time in this environment, this sin-cursed environment in which we find ourselves. And what I'm saying to New Covenant Community Church is that it is in our best interest to let these guys minister with joy and not with grief. It is most profitable to us. It is most profitable to, profitable to me and my children for these guys to minister with joy and not grief. And the Bible says, obey them, be submissive to those who rule over you. This is what God's word is communicating. So if you're looking for another thing to write down, here's your next line. Joyfully obey the one who is biblically watching out for your soul. For many pastors, this is simply a paycheck. For myself and these guys, it is absolutely not. This is something we understand. We're, we're going to be giving an account to the five-star general. That's how we're operating. We are going to be giving an account to God himself based on how we have ministered. It's something we take very seriously. There's very much a common theme in today's world of this kind of lax, buddy kind of relationship that a pastor has with the congregation. He's, he's just seen as like some role model that everybody wants to be like, and, and that ought not be so. That is not the biblical model. The biblical model is that there is an understanding that these people are highly esteemed and love for the work that they do and there's an understanding that they are watching out for our souls let's take it as seriously as god's word would have us another thing i would love to be able to say to this congregation in acts 6 verses 1 through 4 now in these those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying there arose a complaint against the hebrews by the hellenists and in case you're wondering, these would be Greek-speaking Jews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. 
Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And hear me and hear me clearly when I say this, church, a, a minister, a pastor, the roles that, that me, myself and these guys fulfill, uh, we are not above any kind of work. Uh, I have cleaned the toilets in this building, as will these guys also. Uh, I have gotten my fingernails dirty working outside, as I will in the future. Uh, we are not above any kind of work. But it's vitally important that a congregation see that someone called to this kind of work must be reserved for a particular kind of work. Not that they are above any other, but that there is a certain kind of work that they must give themselves to. Uh, this is very clear. We believe the Apostle Luke to be the author through which God chose to write the book of Acts. And he chose to show this account of ministers giving themselves to the work of prayer and ministry of the word. So the third thing I would love to share with this congregation is simply this. Safeguard their time in prayer and ministry of the Word. Safeguard these guys' time to be in prayer and ministry of the Word, working through the Word of God as we equip the other leaders to preach and to teach it. Safeguard their time as much as possible. And can I just tell you from the very bottom of my heart, for many of those at New Covenant Community Church, who have served alongside me faithfully to ensure that my time in the Word is preserved. Man, I think about Larry and Tim and some of the work they've done outside and mowing the grass and all, all of the things. There are so many hours of ministry that happen that is completely outside of me. I don't know what's going on, but my time in ministry of the Word and prayer is preserved for those purposes. So what I hope everyone hears this morning is you know, we've seen some baptisms lately. We're going to be seeing more in the future. We've seen some awesome things happen. People giving their lives to God. All these incredible things that we've seen happen. And I just hope everyone knows that it's the body functioning properly together that has caused those things. Proper, pro functioning biblically that has caused those things to happen. There's a role that I must give myself to in prayer and ministry of the Word. And, and this is not a, a, a way to, for a pastor to be lazy and let me tell you if, if any of you, for those of you that know me you know that it's we work very diligently we work very hard around here and and that's a good thing we ought to work diligently we ought to have a spirit of excellence in everything that we do but I mean I just I really hope that when the guys are working outside around the building that they know that they are part of the baptisms that are occurring yes it is obviously God by his spirit that is drawing these people I mean that, that is obviously what happens but but the people working outside doing all the other ministry tasks those are absolutely part of the body of Christ functioning properly. And it makes me wonder how many people today are in hell because pastors are too busy doing the things, good things, things that needed done, but not doing the things that they should have kept themselves for. Congregation, you have a role in that. How successful these guys are, how successful KJ and Eldon are in these roles very much depends on our ability to come around them and to make sure that we're taking care of all the things that we can take care of so that they can give themselves to the proper work of ministry. So, if the congregation heard what I said, let them say amen. That's the first sermon. Second sermon, I'm preaching to you guys. Uh, and if, I'll be in 1 Timothy 4. And I simply want to go through this text, and I just want to share with you guys 
I, I don't want to pretend like I've got some kind of false humility up here. I, I just even this week realize I've been ministering now for north of 10 years and I've seen the word of God true and faithful. I've seen God protect and preserve me in huge ways and it would be foolish of me to pretend like I'm too inexperienced to not impart some of those things to you guys. And, and I just simply want to share some of these things from the word of God that I have seen to be so true and I totally trust it to be God's word and and things that I believe will be helpful to you. Things that, things that I guess I wish somebody would have come alongside me when I first started. And I was launched so well in ministry. I've shared that with many of you. I was launched incredibly well in ministry. And I was discipled in these things. And I really want to disciple you guys in these things right now. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12. Again, Paul being used of the Holy Spirit to write this to the young preacher. He says there in verse 12. Let no one despise your youth. Paul was the apostle. Timothy's the young preacher. And Paul's saying there's going to be those who will try and dismiss you and try and dismiss your ministry based, Timothy, on the fact that you're a young dude. And Paul says, don't let anyone despise your youth. And let me just tell you, I think the spirit of understanding here is not just that youth will be the thing that people despise you for. Uh, KJ, that may be the case for you. You're a young man. You're almost exactly the exact same age that I was when I began in ministry in the way that you are. And uh, don't let anyone despise the fact that you're young. Don't let anybody despise you for that. Yes, you're young, but so what? It doesn't mean anything. You're an adult. You're a man. And we believe that perhaps God has called you maybe even into full-time ministry. Uh, don't let anyone despise you for the things that people would improperly dismiss you for. There are biblical reasons to be dismissed from ministry, but, but don't let anyone dismiss you for an improper reason. Um, Eldon, don't let anyone ever dismiss you because you're not seminary trained. Uh, people will dismiss you. They will belittle you based on the fact that neither of you guys have any seminary education. But what I would just love to remind them and what I'd like to remind you that you can understand in your heart as you progress forward is uh, if they really understood the statistics well, they would know that most baptisms around the world in, in churches happen when they are led by non-seminary trained leaders. Uh, they would also do well to remember that none of the apostles when they first started out were trained in any kind of seminary. It would be very important to remember those things. So the thing that I would love for you guys to remember, if you guys were going to write down some words, is simply to forget all stereotypes. Don't let people label you by any of those kinds of things. Remember what it is, the calling that God has on your life and the way that you'll be ministering in this church. Forget all stereotypes. Don't let anyone despise your youth or any other thing that people would improperly dismiss you for. Uh, if God can use fishermen, tax collectors, and tent makers, he can use ex-personal trainers, carpet layers, and people studying to become a cop. I believe it with all my heart. And, uh, and I trust God in that. That doesn't make sense to the world, but it makes sense to God. And therefore, it makes sense to me. Moving on in that scripture right there. But be an example, KJ and Eldon, be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands 
of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give, yourselves enti- give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So it's very, very clear here. As Paul is saying to Timothy, inspired of the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying, I want some things to come out of your life, Timothy. When people interact with you, Timothy, I want some particular things to come, excuse me, to come out of your life. I want a proper example of word, a proper example of conduct and love. These things, Timothy, with your example of spirit and faith and purity, I want those things to interact, people to see those things when they interact with your life. Those are the things that, that Paul wanted Timothy to express with all of those around him that he ministered to. And he gives us a means through which to do those things. He says, give yourself entirely. That's pretty clear instruction, isn't it? Give yourself entirely to reading, to exhortation, and doctrine. So here's how I'd like to illustrate this. And Matthew, if you could come here and help me. I feel like this is important enough to just stand here right here and face this way and just hold that cup right there for me. Uh, Here's how I want to illustrate this so that you guys can see this and remember it. And this is important for the congregation as well. Uh, Paul says that he wanted some things to come out of Timothy's life, that when people interacted with him as Timothy went about ministering, that they would be impacted by these particular things, spirit, faith, word, conduct, all the things that we just read. And um, so let's just pretend for a moment that this cup represents the vessel. It represents you guys, okay? And, and let's pretend that, that the water represents those things that Paul wanted people to get on them for them to experience when they are ministered to by you guys, okay? So the way that we get those things, he gave us the instruction. It was through reading, Okay, it was through exhortation, which that word exhortation is kind of a biblical word, but it simply means understanding how to compel, understanding how to to, to share the gospel, understanding how to exhort people that they are sinners and must be redeemed of Christ's blood. Uh, What was the other one? Doctrine, understanding doctrine, okay? Those are the ways that we acquire those things. That's why Paul says, give ourselves entirely to them. That's pretty clear, pretty clear language, entirely. So that when people bump shoulders with you, they don't get the cup, they get what's inside of you. Now, I love you guys. Even if you weren't believers, I'd still love you. I'd still take a bullet for you. But what I know is that people don't need you. People don't need me. They don't need our personalities. They need the example of love. They need the example of conduct. They need the example of word. So here's why it's so important to continually give ourselves to reading, to exhortation, to ministry of the word, all these things that God's word is instructing us to do so that as we go through ministry and we keep bumping people and we keep interacting with people's lives and, and the kids are watching KG as he's worshiping Jesus and all of these kinds of things. And, and here's what I hope you understand. And why it's so vital for a pastor to continue giving himself to these kinds of things because eventually if he just keeps getting bumped and just keeps ministering and keeps ministering and doesn't have time for the word, for the prayer, all of a sudden, thank you there, good. All of a sudden doesn't have time for ministry of the word, ministry of prayer. Is not, we're not giving ourselves to those kinds of things. All of a sudden you're dry and then people are interacting with you and not the things that God wanted people to be interacted by when you're ministering. If that's clear, somebody say amen. Hopefully it is. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate that. So be filled with God's Spirit. Give yourself entirely to that kind of work that people might interact with the right kinds of things. Word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, purity. 
Don't forget those things. So the second thing I would give you guys is simply lead by a disciplined example. Uh, There are many pastors, many ministers today that are not disciplined. And it shows. It shows in their body. It shows in the spirituality of the people. It shows in the spirituality of their own family. Be a disciplined example. I'm excited because I believe that you guys will step well into that disciplined lifestyle of giving yourself entirely to reading, exhortation, and doctrine that those proper things might come out of your life and that you could continue that and be overflowing, that everyone around you as you minister will interact with the proper things. Lead by a disciplined example. Verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. So the third thing I would love to be able to give you guys today is simply be a gospel preacher. Be a gospel preacher. It's interesting when you look at it, it says the doctrine, and it makes you wonder what is the doctrine that's being referenced here. Well, the doctrine, it tells us that if we continue in it, it will be the very thing that saves you. It will be the very thing that saves those who hear this doctrine, this gospel doctrine, this you must repent of sin and trust alone in Jesus. That doctrine is the one that saves people, and it's the one that we are to take heed to ourselves that we continue in that doctrine. Just remember a couple things. It doesn't matter how many people you help with their marriage, finances, parenting, emotions, whatever else it may be. If someone is lost in sin, they will be separated in hell for eternity. But the doctrine of the gospel, being a gospel preacher, being a proclaimer of the gospel to everyone here, to everyone you interact with in the world, that is the thing. When when, when somebody stands before God and there's Jesus standing there bridging the gap saying, this one's mine, I have forgiven this one because they've repented of sin, that proper standing before a holy, righteous, perfect, full of fire, full of vengeance, full of vengeance against our rebellion against God, that's the doctrine that we must be about and if you know the truth say amen it is so vital that we give ourselves to that kind this the doctrine reference there in verse 16 the devil loves a woke politically correct preacher because they're not giving themselves to the doctrine they give themselves to other doctrines but not the doctrine And know in wisdom that when you give yourself, when you take heed to yourself the doctrine, when you are a gospel preacher, when you continue in these things such that it saves both you and those who hear you and other people hear you preach and proclaim the gospel, people will hate you for that. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, he faced this undercurrent, this undertone of persecution that was from the Roman government. But when the devil really wanted to get at Jesus, he used people inside what you would consider to be the faith, people disguised as believers, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, uh, those who are wolves in sheep's clothing, those who look similar. just, Just don't forget that the wheat and tares look a whole lot alike. And we see the exact same pattern happening today. 
an undertone of this government persecution that we have seen coming up. We've seen the videos of pastors getting arrested. We've seen those things. But just don't forget that when the devil wants to snuff the candle of your ministry, it will be with people who you thought were believers. Knowing wisdom for this to be true, this is the wisdom that I have gained over the years of ministry. And take heed to it, remember it. But what I'd love for you to remember also, Eldon KJ, is that when you do face those things, be it from a government or be it from people that are the wheat, the tares among the wheat, the, the modern day Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and, and people read those things like those don't exist. We have as many or more Pharisees and Sadducees in the church today of America as a whole in this country than ever there was before. It's the way in which the devil has deceived. It's the way in which the devil has discouraged ministers from preaching the gospel. But I encourage you to take heart and to remember the words of our Lord, the one that we preach, the one that we serve. In Matthew 5.11 it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Blessed are you when the devil tries to snuff the ministry, Eldon. When people that you thought were very close, people that you thought were on fire of the Lord, and all of a sudden it turns out that they are not. And that they are discouraging to you. And all of a sudden it would be so much easier just to pack up and quit the ministry. Blessed are you in that time when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, Jesus says. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Now that's hard to do, I'll tell you that much. That is hard to rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you face those kinds of moments. But the reason we are to rejoice and be exceedingly glad is because great is your reward in heaven. For so they per persecuted the prophets who were before you. Same thing today, same thing it was for Jesus' time, and same it was in the Old Testament prophets, an undertone of government persecution. But when the devil really wanted to snuff a candle of ministry, it was done by the people inside. So if you're hearing this with fear, good. If you think to yourself, well, there's no way I'm a Pharisee, you should fear and fear greatly that you may not be right with God. Humbly come before God and determine these things. And hear them in truth. Not too many amens on that one, but that's all right. That was sermon number two. Sermon number three. I'm going to preach to myself for just a brief moment. As I read from John 13, 3 through 15. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands... And that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper, and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which was girded, with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. 
So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So what we see here in God's word, and this is be preaching to me, but really preaching to all of us, what we see very clearly is Jesus, irrespective of this authority that he has, taking the role of a servant. And we know this to be consistent in other areas of scripture. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I guess what I'd love for you to know today, if you're a believer, you've repented of sin, and you've trusted the Savior, and, and there's fruit in your life as evidence of that. And as we move into this next time of ministry, I just want you to sit there and just have this overwhelming thanksgiving that, that our Lord and Savior, the one who has had and has legitimate authority, uh, he chose to put himself into the role of the servant, not just in the means of washing the disciples' feet, but in all that he did to accomplish salvation. All he did, period, was to come and to be this kind of servant. Let all of God's children be thankful that the God that we serve is also the same God who stooped down to wash the feet of humanity and to take this role as a servant. If you don't know Jesus the thing that I would love to put before you is you've got to figure out what you're going to do about that. That the Savior of the world who's made this way of salvation for you and your life that will end is going to meet the judge who's wrathful against the sin that you've committed. You've got to figure out what you're going to do with that kind of Savior. Are you going to just continue to ignore him? Are you just going to go on pretending like we're, it's just a bunch of quacks at church and just and not give any credence to thinking about who made creation and why there's order and why these things are happening and why the world is getting evil and why there's this burning desire inside of you to do things that you know are sinful that convict your conscience? Like You could just go on keep ignoring that, dear friend. But I plead with you this morning, don't ignore those things that happened. Don't ignore the fact that Jesus came having this authority and yet stooped down to be and to take this role of a servant to serve you, dear friend, to make propitiation for your sins, to take the punishment that you deserved on a cross. The most loving question I could ask you is, what are you going to do about that, friend? What are you going to do about that? My hope and prayer is that you turn and repent and that you are a participant, a thankful participant of the Son of God Himself stepping down to take our punishment for us, that He took that role as a servant. So then it really comes down to what I want to get to with you guys is, is um, me stepping into this role for the very first time of this place of leadership that is new to me. What is the greatest gift that I could give you guys when it comes to leading in this kind of way? And, and I'm just convinced from the Word of God um, in view of all that Jesus has done for me when I survey my sin and I know how lost I was and I know the mercy that God showed to me and I know that this Jesus who had all authority that owed me nothing was a servant to me to take away my sin and to wash me clean of it in view of all that 
and the model that he's given us, the greatest service that I could be to you guys in this role is to be your servant. Uh, it, and not just a fun thing to say on a Sunday morning, but literally week in and week out as we minister alongside each other that I take the role of serving you guys. And I take the role of making sure that you're equipped and that you're well equipped for all the things that I would ask you to do and that, and that we can go together forward as brothers. But yes, me as this lead pastor role, but me being the first servant among the rest of us too, to see that you guys are loved, to see that you guys are cared for, to see that you guys are esteemed in this kind of love that I believe is what the Bible instructs of us for ministers. And uh, so at this time, we're going to shift gears a little bit into this next part of our service. And I'll ask for those that are going to come for music, if you would come and just ministering at this time. Um, I have asked Eldon KJ to allow me to model this kind of servanthood um, by washing their feet. Um, this is not something I would do in my personality, but when I survey what Jesus has done for me, for this man, I'm compelled to do the things that God has commanded in this wash one another's feet as I have so given you this model to follow is what Jesus instructs us. And I'd like for this to be a stake in the ground and a setting of precedence for how I love these guys and minister and lead them by being their servant. So let's pray. Uh, there, there is no formality here other than we can sit, believers sit, and enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy what God has done for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, now would be a good time to make it right with God, to turn from your sin, and to trust alone in the Savior.